Pushing Back Chaos with Mel and Mike and Raph. Welcome back to another episode of Pushing Back Chaos with me, Paul Mel and McFadden. How you guys all doing out there? I hope you've had a an awesome week. I hope that uh, yeah, you've seen a few opportunities. You've um, looking forward. You've had a bit of gratitude for some, some stuff you've got. Looking back, and then you're in the moment and you're raring to go. How you going, Mike? Oh man, where do I start? Where do I start? Well. So we had uh, for the government, we had a four day weekend, which is great. Lots of good plans. I was looking forward to it. Last, uh, what, last Wednesday, I was out training with some of our new guys doing some stuff and in the woods. Friday night, I was out on a, I was on out on a date, went to a nice dinner and uh, we were going to go on a nice walk and kind of enjoy the evening. And I started to kind of get itchy. And uh, I started scratching a little bit, and I'm like, man, the hell is wrong with me? And I was like, man, maybe I got new laundry detergent, and I was like, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just irritating my skin and whatever. But I was like, no, that's never happened to me before. That can't be. So we finally go. We get back to uh, we get back to the place, and I'm like, hey, excuse me a minute. I go into the bathroom and I lift up my shirt, and I am covered in poison ivy. <laughs> all over and when i say all over i mean all over melon oh my god how halloween came early dude because there was i looked like a monster and it was disgusting um i hate to be just blatant but it's just it's just not a good thing (laughs) there's two things that god made that are the worst things it's poison ivy and mosquitoes and uh man did i get the full blunt of the one so I literally spent most of the weekend just pushing through. I went to uh, Bush Gardens uh, for their Hallow Scream thing on Saturday, came home and literally have just been living in a bathtub of calamine lotion and, uh, you know, eating, eating Benadryl for like candy. It's crazy. So we don't have poison ivy in Australia. The only thing, the only time we know about it is from like movies. You know, like teenagers watching movies and kids on camp in America getting... uh... So just for the Australian listeners, I'm assuming that there's actually a bush and you've gone through like something out in the field and you've been exposed to a plant. Is that right? Yeah. So basically Satan Satan made this plant (laughs) and he was like, watch this. This will be funny. And and, uh, yeah, but it's like this, this certain plant, there's oil on the end of it and it's a retardant agent. And as soon as it hits your skin, it takes like anywhere from 18 to 24 hours to really hit. And it just breaks out in this bubbly rash all over you. And it's just irritating. If you scratch it, it just gets worse. It breaks open. It spreads. Everything swells up. Like, it's just terrible. It's the worst plan ever. I wish we could just, you know, eradicate it. But I'm sort of imagining like chicken pox or measles on on your skin, that sort of itchy outbreak. And is it like as... Is it as bad? It doesn't sound good. <laughs> uh, no, it's not good. It, it's uh, like this yellowish, bubbly, pus red rash that just breaks out literally anywhere. And I I haven't had it this bad in 20 years. But uh, it's just, yeah, it's like a week or two to like finally heal and dry up. And you got to constantly put calamine lotion and take Benadryl for the swelling. I slept with a damn ice pack on me last night. 
like just so I could numb it and sleep and take down some swelling. Like it's just, it's just terrible, man. Like there there's no I don't care how hard you are, man. It's just gonna suck. Man, that sounds fun. Yeah. So I'm no, really no. looking forward to getting over this shit because it's Halloween season and I want to get out and have some fun. Well, the only thing that I can offer that might make you feel a little bit better is that Tio's not here. It that does, just... but you know what? He's a different kind of a pain. He's more of a pain in my ass. <laughs> so so Raps on a on a long flight somewhere at the moment, so he can't uh, he can't be here for the listeners. But it's sort of you know when I hear about you in a skin outbreak, I sort of thought, oh maybe Rafa taking to the old country, you know, a little weekend in Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think those are different kind of rashes you get in Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Back, everybody needs penicillin. <laughs> uh, yeah, that kind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Well, for me, I've, I've been um, recovering from knee surgery, so I had uh, some knee pain, and you know, I mean, I've been active my whole life and i think the shock absorbers or the 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 bushings or whatever in the suspension got a bit worn so i needed uh to have a trim of the meniscus in my left knee and that was about two weeks ago and uh i've just been sort of resting and recovering from from that procedure and i just i saw physio and uh yesterday and also the flight surgeon as a like air crew got a specialist doctor who looks after all the flight elements of uh I, I, like medicine, you know, block sinuses, and they're all sort of experts on on how it affects you. So before you can go flying, after you've been off work for any period, you got to get cleared to fly again. And uh, yeah, I just had like an interaction with with sort of medical pres- people yesterday at the tail end of uh, a couple of weeks post surgery, and it was you know was going to have to go back to work for ground duties only for a while before I'd be able to fly. But turns out I'm sort of rehabbing pretty well. And, uh, you know, I'll be able to jump back in a plane straight away tomorrow, which is good news. And it's sort of, you know, like I've been getting after it, running around and lifting weights for a very long time. And I sort of was thinking, oh, man, maybe I need to sort of back off. And, you know, but the flight surgeon was like, no, 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 no. If you were less active, if you had less, um, you know, stability around the joint, if you had less muscle mass around the joint, the rehab would be a lot slower. There'd be a lot more pain because of instability in the joint. You'd be, you know, the bone on bone would be occurring because it wouldn't be sitting in the right channels and all that sort of stuff. And then when people come out of the surgery and they've got a lot of pain immediately, it's hard to do the rehab and it's hard to do the physio work. And like you can get in this downward spiral of like losing muscle mass and atrophying muscles and then getting a less stable joint and so on. So anyway, he's just like, no, 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 just take it slow. Don't don't do anything stupid, but, you know, sort of almost pain-free, full-depth squats already, sort of at week two. So I was really happy to hear that. No, it's, it's, uh, it's probably in the Guinness Book of World Records or at least Australian records or something like that, man. That's, that's record recovery for a 46-year-old man that gets a shit beat out of him. You know? <laughs> it does happen. Yeah. yeah. I was just, you know, you. I was really, really thinking like, man, I might have just put too many kilometers on the old, <laughs> on the old car on some pretty rough roads, <laughs> and uh, maybe the suspension was knackered. But he was really like, no, 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 you're doing everything right. Just keep doing it. You know, don't, don't stop. Don't trade in um, like short-term acute issues 
from from activity and and being active you're going to have these things crop up from time to time you know little niggles or injuries oh, yeah. is like the alternative the, the chronic health the chronic long-term stuff of when you you know you end up on the couch it's just you know it's my own sort of what's been happening this week and it's just really been an endorsement of just staying active and doing what you can you know square your shoulders to the foe and in this case foe might be the desire for donuts and the couch or it might be age but uh you know don't go silent into the long night as that poem says yeah but i know you better and i i, I think they could have gave you a prosthetic leg and they <laughs> You would definitely keep playing and working out because I know what your ultimate goal is, and that's in about four years to play in the adult league with your son. So yeah. there, there ain't nothing going to stop you. So I know that's your one of your main reasons. Four years, one month, and two days. Yeah, who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody. No, no, no. <laughs> Sometimes the, the goal seems far over the horizon, right? And then I'm like, I sort of came back from this surgery, not too bad. And I, it was just good to hear as well, you know, like go, go back to um, the sort of training you've been doing before. And I was like, just start at a light level. But like that, that program, like the proof is in the pudding that it's that your knee is functioning now post-surgery. So just return to that. You're doing all the right stuff, you know, like about it's, I haven't fallen over backwards and landed in a, in a program. Like I've done a lot of reading over many years, you know, just trying to, tailor it now just as i'm sort of the the term could be increasing mastery or time under the bar or it could be age <laughs> but it's you know like continuing to lift heavy and uh increasing the percentages of your one rep max reducing the training volume a bit like there's quite a lot of information out there for for people and you can adjust your training you don't have to keep lifting you know in the sort of the 10 to 15 reps like you do when you're late teens and early twenties. And, uh, you know, maybe there's some listeners out there who are, well, all of us are going to age, but maybe there's some who are sort of in the mastery master area like me now, and you can, you can look this stuff up and, and, and there's a lot of research on how to adjust your programs as you gain more experience. I like that. A few more wrinkles on either side of the eyes and yeah, yeah, you don't have to don't have to train like a 19-year-old. You can get in there and, and still get the job done. And it's also reducing training time. So like get in and out of the gym in a 45-minute period and lift pretty heavy. It's a pretty surprisingly high, uh, like it's a five-rep max sort of number is what you want to be targeting as your, as your first digit of age goes past a four. But anyway, I'm sort of, I was sort of really happy to hear the news, you know, like I'm two weeks on the ground, I'm sort of itching to go flying and... He was like, oh, we could give you another week on the ground. The physio yesterday was like, no, no, we can give you two more weeks. And I was just like, no. No, man, I'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> I'll be on the flight line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, well, maybe we can just introduce the topic for this week, Mike, because it's sort of they're talking about an area where I do have a bit of mastery. I'm no, I'm no Olympic athlete or anything, but I have been doing something there for a long period of time. And I know quite a bit about how to train myself and others. And that, that idea of mastery, I know you've been chewing that idea over and uh, how about you, you let us know what the sort of topic is this week. Yeah. So you, you're kind of alluding to it already. And you said, you know, like as soon as you got done, 
kind of doing your little rehab for two weeks and and getting back to it, it's like you kind of got to restart, right? And this past week, I've been interacting with uh, the my 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 new platoon that I'm running and and part of, and we were just kind of talking about you know expectations and and what to you know my expectations for them at every level and and you know kind of going and one thing i said to him i said okay what i want you guys to do i want everybody that's in a brand new position to raise your hand so if you're in a leadership position or something whatever if you're doing something new in a new job or new position i want you to raise your hand everybody in the room raise their hand so one i was like cool man it's an honest room and i was like you're absolutely right because Every one of us is in a new job, a new position, and we're all learning how to do it right. Uh, we're only the masters of our previous accomplishment or previous position, right? So in a promotion scale, you know, if you're, if you're the best uh, assistant team leader, then uh, you go into a team leader spot. Well, you're not a master team leader. You're a master assistant team leader, right? It's kind of how you do it. It's your last position. I completed it. Now I'm on to the next. And the topic that kind of popped up was, you know, I don't know how you want to reword it, like starting over, learning something new, uh, you know, you can label it around that, but it's, it's definitely a, a valid thing. And I know it is for us because one, I'm stepping into this new role and I've never done this before. Uh, you know, Melon, you've talked about going into debates, whether you're staying another year or two years in Saudi before you move back home. And, starting a new job, a new location, new friends, new circle, like new, you know, every, everything, uh, Raf started it new, you know, with his new job and flying. And I'm sure that was scary because he still has to be away from home from OBS and the bean. And, you know, it's, it's pretty scary. Let's be honest. Like, you know, everybody can always have the great attitude of just like, yep, going to crush it. No problem. No fear. And it's like, yeah, cool, man. That's great to have. The confidence is great, but really, I think most of us are a little bit worried because, you know, I always say my plan is my plan. And then, you know, I, for me personally, I throw it up to God a lot and I'm like, Hey, I think I'm prepared. I'm confident. I'm going to go head first into this, but maybe it's not his plan. And he's just going to be like, yeah, 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 okay. You know, like that's not what's going to happen and you got to be prepared for it. So um, I thought maybe we could discuss some things, uh, some topics, some approaches to starting over, whether it's, uh, you know, a new job, a new location, a new adventure, a new relationship, you know, it could be anything. You're starting everything over from the bottom and you got to work yourself back up. And I love this topic so much. The, uh, the idea of, it's a daunting thought, right? <laughs> And, and this, I think you captured it so well when you said, you know, you have been promoted into a new position or you, whatever the system is, you've, you've done something really well. And by doing that really, like having a, a level of mastery in that, you've now been moved into a new, a new role. Like a, you're a great co-pilot. You got selected for captaincy upgrade. You've done your captaincy. And now, you know, you've got the captaincy of the aircraft. But you, you don't know shit about being a captain of an aircraft. You know what I mean? You, you know, you're going to learn a heap of stuff. You've got all the technical and you know how to, but you know, you're the, you were the most senior co-pilot. Now you're the most junior captain. Another way to think about it, like you get a relationship, you get married and you know, 
you're figuring out this whole marriage thing and then now you have kids. It's like, you don't know shit about what to do. <laughs> well, these little people, you know what I mean? And it's such a, it's such a good and healthy thing to think about. Like I'm so, st- I'm just, I've just, since uh, Mike told me what the topic was, I've just been like, my mind's been racing and thinking about all of the good elements of leaning into that feeling, you know, like myself, as, as Mike said, you know, like how long we stay here and then that transition back to Australia or wherever the next chapter will be. It's a, it's an intimidating thought and, and, and knowing you're going to go in and you're not going to be, you're not going to be, you know, you, you were quite good in your previous role and that, that counts, but it sort of doesn't, you know what I mean? In, in that new position. And, and then how do you, how do you then go on to have multiple successes? Like you can't just be like the best in your previous role. And now, now what do you do? Like there's a lot of people and you see it in organizations. You're like, man, I bet that guy or girl was really good in their previous role. And now they're like, they've changed from being a, a doer and now they're a manager, like they're in a leadership role and you're like struggling a bit and we've all seen it. Yeah. And so I think, I think the idea in this topic is to like flesh out how do you carry on, how do you carry on uh, developing and how do you address this, this opportunity that's in front of you rather than seeing it as a, a barrier? So what were your initial thoughts then, Mike? Well, my first one, and I'm just going off personal experience is, you know, I'm coming into this job. I, I believe I earned it, you know, otherwise I wouldn't have been selected and, and, and been here and everything. So before I move forward, I got to look back uh, for myself. And I look back with gratefulness that everything I've accomplished, you know, personally me for the past 16 years has brought me to this point. And I've had many failures, I've had many victories, and everything in between. And just to like stop, and and I know because you and Rap always tell me like, mate, stop and really appreciate this moment. Like, think about what's about to happen, and before you take that first step into you know into this. And you guys said that to me when I told you, hey, I I got selected, you know, and. Uh, so I, I got to look back and just start out with a, a sense full of, of, of gratefulness for all the opportunities I've had up to that point, because it's it's in the history books. Nobody can take anything up to that point away from me. And it's it's a sense of pride. It really is. It feels good, you know, when you can do that. So if I'm really being honest, I'm, it's gratefulness, Melon. Like that's how I'm going to, before I even venture into this job or anything else new, just like, man, I'm grateful for what I've been through and I'm grateful that I'm still here and able to have the next opportunity. Like you, the bare bones got to start there. How about yourself? So I was really thinking about, um, you know, just some quick thoughts. Cause literally I got, the, I got this topic five minutes before everyone else heard it. It was around some of the stuff that you think when you're starting out or when you're maybe at high school or, I don't know where this idea comes. A lot of people are just either smart or they're not. Like that, you're going to be good at stuff your whole life, or you're not. But there's there's research I've seen where real expertise in a field does not come from just IQ. And some of the research was around chess grandmasters, and it's like you'd think they're the smartest people in the world. And ten chess grandmasters were tested, 
three of them were below average IQ. And yet these people are the best at a very difficult thing in the world. And, and so, but what they've got is 10 to 50,000 hours of chess and constant application at doing something difficult. And so it's this effort and practice. It's studying and putting into practice what you, what you are studying for an extended period of time is what gives you expertise and gives you that depth of uh, ability rather than just like a, a, a shallow scrape at something. Like to get that real deep capability, it's never going to be the first time you do anything. So you're going to have to, you're going to, have to stick with stuff to get good at it. And you're going to have to apply yourself and there's no getting around it. It's not, you, you take the smartest kid in the class and you put him in a medical school, he's going to struggle. And that's just, that's the way of the world. And the, the same thing happens when we sit all the time with pilot cadets, you know, you've taken some kids who are pretty gifted and they're on pilot course and they're struggling because they've, they're, they're massively out of the shallow end of the pool and they're out of their comfort zone in a long way. And so one of the things I think is understanding it's going to take time to gain mastery and it's going to take effort, but that, you know, that feeling of discomfort and that feeling of uh, being overwhelmed is going to occur. You've just dived in on the deep end of the pool in whatever new role it is, be it being, you're now in a relationship where you were single, now you're having kids or you're moving into a new role professionally, or you're moving to a new city or state or country that there's going to be that feeling of I'm not in my comfort zone and I don't feel good here. But what you're going to have to do is, is have that effort and you got to do some repetitions to gain that mastery, but it's going to come. So I was sort of where, where I started there was just that effort and practice creates expertise and it's not a natural ability, you know, that you've just been gifted with a certain type of brain and, you know, you've either got a limitation or you're, you're not going to be good at anything or, you, or you're always going to be good at stuff. And it's like, that's 100% not the case. So are you saying that to start, we should go through that and identify our strengths and what we've had up to that point and then also identify some possible weaknesses that we could face that we know we're probably going to struggle at to kind of mitigate that? Yeah, yeah, that that's... That's hundred percent true. And it's also just that knowledge that you, you're going to start and you're not going to be good at it immediately. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to get good at it with, with application and effort and repetition. So I think it's like trusting that, that, you know, the best surgeons and the best snipers and the best pilots and the best, you know, wide receivers, it, it takes effort and it takes repetition to get there. And everyone, everyone starts out as a, as a beginner. And so you're going to have that beginner feeling. And that's not a bad thing. And if you can embrace that feeling of, you know, embrace to suck, <laughs> being uncomfortable, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, as some of the, you know, has been said many times on this podcast, that you're going to have to get through that before you're going to you're going to get mastery in anything new. And that that feeling is just going to be part of the journey. You got to be like, starting at new. I'm just, you know, you're not going to roll in there day one and be great at it. Right. Yeah. So one of the things I put in uh, the expectations that I had is that it's a really good quote. Um, and this is kind of a document that's been passed down through some great dudes, like legends in, in, in our unit. And it was just kind of passed on to me. And, and I'm lucky enough, you know, I'm going to add some stuff into it and pass along. 
But there was one quote in there as far as expectations kind of go into like what we're doing is uh, it's never as good as you think it's going to be, but it's also never as bad as you think it's going to be. You know, like when you get to the the fear side of it or the bitching and the complaining and like whatever, like, man, this, you know, I, we go on like two mile ocean swims in the winter when it's snowing and everybody is just like bitching and moaning like this is bullshit you know (laughs) just at each other's throat and then we're in the water we're still bitching but then when we're in the water we're going and then at the end of it we all get out and we're kind of like ah it wasn't as bad as i thought i i mean we're wearing like a seven mil wetsuit and a hood and you got lobster gloves on so like you're 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 kicking you're you're warm you're it's bearable but it's like all right that wasn't that bad you know but it's that initial fear and that bitching that occurs and it's just like the it's the resistance right it's the resistance to accept the reality of what's happening or about to happen and it's your fiber it's your mind your everything you're just like i don't want to feel this right now but it's coming so uh i would say the next part you know you you talked about that mindset portion of getting your mindset squared away and then the right uh in, in, in the right direction. I would also say that when I'm starting out to do something, whether it's a new job, whether I walk into a new group of people and I just want to start socializing, whatever, it's my interactions and my presentation. Uh, that's very important to me when I'm going in. Uh, for me in particular, it's, it's an everyday thing. No, well, not every day, but it's very common. Okay. Like I've said before, when I walk into a room and people hear about what I am and what I do for work, there's this automatic expectation of what I like, they already know who I am. And it's just like, yeah, I already know what to expect from this guy. And I told you, I tell you guys all the time, one of the best compliments that I can get is you're not what I, you're not what I was expecting. And I'm like, good. That's what I want. I don't want you to think of me as just this, this type of person or this type of, you know, operator or whatever. I was like, oh, I'm my own dude. Yeah, good, man. When, when you say that, Mike, you know, you're happy to hear that people say you're not what I expected. People might be hearing this thinking, no, no, no what, what do you mean? Like people are expecting a, a super professional guy. They're expecting someone who's, you know, smarter than, or is it people are expecting like an action character from a movie who's got no depth to them. They've got no breadth. They're just... A one-dimensional yes. alpha jock. Yeah, alpha alpha jock, uh, eat, sleep, lift, military, special operations, night vision, come in, kill it, you know, kill you in your sleep, Hollywood movies, Charlie Sheen, Steven Seagal, you know, like all, all this stuff. <laughs> you know, there's there's TV shows, there's movies, you know, everything. And they're like, man, you're just this superhero and blah, blah. And it's like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm just a guy like that. That's my job. And that's what I do for work. But why don't you ask me about like what I like to do for fun? Like I like to go fishing. I like to do normal stuff. You know, I watch football. Long walks, long walks on beaches. Yeah. 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 You know, with poison ivy all over me, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's like, I have a regular life too. And I love eliminating that side of that perception of me when it's just like, Oh, here comes this dude. And I'm like, no, no, no. Hey. So, uh, you know, Tell me about uh, tell me about your kids and, and what your kids like to do. And they're like, "What? You want to talk about my kids? You don't want to tell me about how you were over in Afghanistan and blah 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 blah." 
no, I could give a shit less. I do that all the time. Like, I just want to have a normal conversation. Like, oh, okay. All right. Hey, this, this guy's got some depth to him. Let, let's hear what you got, you know? And then I share stuff that we talk about on the show, like deep stuff and like things about life and family and friends and what really matters in life. And they're like, damn, you're not what I was expecting. And I'm like, good. So if that answers your question. So this idea of interactions and presentation, right? So new role or new relationships could be a, could be a new girlfriend. It could be a new workmate. could be a new friend. Yeah. A new position. So the, the interactions and relationship part specifically, what, do you, what are your sort of tips here? What are your key points? So the presentation for, you know, again, for me personally, I'm talking about me, but I want everybody that's listening to think about who you are in your current position or, or the position you're about to take, right? So if you're the boss, if you're in charge, people are automatically going to be like, well, they're the boss. And whatever they do, whatever they come in here and do, they're the boss no matter what and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, do you want to come across that way all the time? Or do you want to come across more personable? It's, it's whatever you need to be in the moment. But your presentation is going to be everything. So for me, when I walk in, if I'm at work, like, you know, I'm the lead sled dog, like I'm the guy and guys are going to stop and listen. If I'm out in town and just doing something, I'm, I'm just myself. You know, I, I don't have to carry that. And I have to know how to present myself in the proper environment. Uh, if I always come across 24 seven as the boss, no one's going to want to hang out with me. Nobody's going to want to talk to me. They're not going to get to know me. They're not going to invite me to places or, you know, do anything like that. So when I'm just starting something new. I want you to get to know me. You know, I can't be what the last guy was or, you know, this vision that you expect of me coming in. No, all I can give you is me. So here's me. And this is what I want you to know and, and you know, and get along to you that way. Uh, and that goes right into that interaction piece. You know, do I want to walk around with my chest out, my shoulders back and a cocky little nod and, you know, like being sarcastic to everything that you say to me right off the bat, because I want to sound cool. I want to be, you know, the cool guy in the room. I want to impress everybody, you know, all this bullshit about, you know, and it's just like, no, like for me personally, no, I, I don't care. My character will speak for me, not my title or my job or what I'm wearing necessarily, you know? So those two are like the next part is like, when I walk into the room, I want to own the room. But I want to let you know that, like, this is a shared room. This is a team room. Like, I'm here to work for you. You're there to work for me. And, hey, let's just get to know each other. And that's about it. So good. I really, uh, a lot of those first impression stuff, like that presentation, how, how are you going to come across in this environment? How do you want to come across? A bit of thought about it. Your dress and bearing is part of it, but it's, it's a lot to do with what's appropriate for this new situation you're going into because we're talking about a new situation. I really like that, Mike. I had some stuff around having a a lot of people have a fixed versus a growth mindset. And so mm -hmm. a fixed mindset is um, limiting self-beliefs like I am good at these things. I am not good at these things. I am this way, describing yourself um, having it in your, like a background sentence in your mind that comes up repeatedly versus, you know, not, not being like, I am, I am good at flying, being able to have a, have a belief like 
I'm good at learning new things. I'm good at meeting new people. I'm good at forming new friendships. They're open-ended statements that don't have like a closed bubble on them. So moving into anything new, having a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset, there's a, there's a lot of literature around around this kind of this specific idea, but just having the idea that you can revisit these sentences, these thoughts you have, and a lot of them are, you know, thoughts you had at the first day of primary school or the first day of middle school. You know, like a child who's had a thought when they're uncomfortable in a new situation about not being good at something new, and a lot of people carry that with them for the rest of their lives. Like people will shy away from new friendships or new relationships, new learning, new uh, skills, new roles, new organizations, because of a belief that a child had when they felt uncomfortable a long, long, long time ago. Yeah. And you don't have to live with that. You don't have to, you know, be that seven-year-old when you're in your thirties or forties or fifties, you can revisit this stuff and be like, you know what, actually I'm, I've got a long track record of learning new things and meeting new people and, being in new uh, roles and you can just revisit this stuff so that you're like, well, there's going to be a life ahead of me and I'm not going to be doing in 10 years what I'm doing today. There's no, there's no chance. The world's changing. You know, I'm changing people around me are changing. So you're definitely not going to be working with the same people and doing the same job in 10 years time. So having that mindset shift of being able to embrace the open-ended nature of the future and be like open-ended possibility rather than closed statements about yourself. Growth versus fixed mindset. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with kind of explaining your mindset of previous of like, Hey, I had to be this type of person in that environment. But now that I'm here, start asking the questions. What do you need me to be more of? How could I be better for the team? What skills that I have, hey, how can these help all of you? You know, and like you said, you're going maybe from fixed to an to a, an evolving type interaction with everybody bringing that in, you know, and as a, you know, as a subordinate, when I hear a leader say that, I'm like, man, hey, I like that. You know, you're open. You, you want to listen to me or, you know, you're open to your failures or whatever, like you want to listen to that type of person when they speak versus just coming in the room and, Hey, you know, boom, 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 boom. And, and I think, well, I know I hear a lot of veterans struggle moving from the military to the civilian life because uh, you know, looking at the differences between a civilian job and a military job, it's, it's a lot different. The verbiage is different. The attention to detail is different. The expectations are different. So it's just like, hey, I go into this job. I was in the military for 20 years. And hey, this is what I want. Boom, 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 boom. Get it done. And everybody's like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like, we got we got this crazy old uh, old vet in here, man. You know, got blown up on too many times and, you know, cracking all the jokes. But uh, that's more common than not. Right. And you hear lots of lots of veterans struggle with that transition. And um, doing exactly what you said, Melon, is acknowledging that fixed mindset, which ultimately I think the military brings. That's the expectations is you show up, they tell you what to do and you go execute. Boom. And you just get it done. No bitching, no complaining. I don't want to hear it. Just do it. Done. It's, a, it's an order. Um, 
not so much in the civilian world. So I think that's a great point that you brought up to that fixed point to that uh, evolving mindset. That's that's great. Because one one area to think about this in is whatever you've been good at and whatever skills you've had, whatever beliefs you've had about yourself. If you transition to being a parent, none of those things are going to be beneficial to you. Like you're going to be doing something totally new that you've got no skill in. And any limiting self-belief you have about yourself is really going to constrain how you interact with these children. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff. And so as you were saying, Mike, like re- just revisit this stuff and acknowledge that it was appropriate at a certain time and it might not be appropriate now. And that you can rewrite your own script. Like you're not just a character in the book. You are the author of your own story. You have the pen in your hand and take the time to process this stuff and be like, who do I need to be moving into this new, whatever the new role is, new relationship, new work position, new family situation? It brings me to, to a next point too is, you know, you may have been this prestigious leader in another community. So again, my, I, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. There's lots of guys that come from my line of work that go into a civilian job that has nothing to do with what we do and work and they go well i was an operator for 20 years so uh yeah i'm the man and i can do all the big shit you know and they're just like yeah but how can you help this company what 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 attributes can you bring like you're not doing assaults you're not jumping out of planes you're not blowing shit up behind enemy lines you know it's like you're not doing that here you're very good at it there but that's not why you're here so what are your skills now and when you come in just thinking like all the lower shit isn't for me and you're just like hey just send me to the top um that may work in some fields i'm sure there are exceptions uh but my point is is don't shy away from doing the little things when you're starting over you know um i walk into my office and with the guys in there working and they're still getting to know me i took out the trash I cleaned up, I cleaned up on the tables. I wiped everything down, you know, because guess what? My trash is in there too. I ate on the table. I have all the, you know, restock the fridge. You know, I'll bring in a case of beer or some monsters or like something like that. If I drank them, I'm going to put them back in, you know, like that's not above me. That's, that's my space too. Those guys are sharing with me. It's like, I want to make sure they have it. They'll make sure I have it. Um, That shows your character. And again, if you're trying to like, step into a new arena people are going to take notice of like dude that that that, that guy's my boss and he's taking out the trash like hopefully they're like hey sir you don't have to do that like i'll take care of it you know that's not your job like i know you're doing other big things and i'm like no i had two extra seconds i can do that you know people take notice of the little shit And, and it goes back to you know if you can't do the little things right how do people know you can do the big things right you know and you got to rebuild that trust and confidence and character that you built in your previous job or your previous position, you got to rebuild it and re, you know, show everybody again, Hey, this is why I am what I am. That's, you know, again, <laughs> I always say it, the Al Bundy syndrome. Yeah. I won the high school football championship, you know, 25 years ago, but uh, nothing ever since, but Hey, I'm still a high school football here. It's like, yeah, you haven't really done anything since. So doesn't really matter you you stopped 
you stopped growing after you won or you stopped growing after you got promoted. And it just doesn't, you know, when I hear that, it's like, oh, you've arrived. People have said that. I haven't arrived to shit, man. I arrived here to work today to work. I got nothing else to do. Like, I'm here to work. I, I'm not going to sit back and just let you do everything. Like, you're going to kick my ass in the parking lot. <laughs> I liked, uh, we were talking just off offset a little bit before we started. And you talked about having, like, junior officers coming through. You know, we've all seen those those guys like they they can they can make or break a unit. Sure. You know, the military organizations I've been in, you and there's a certain percentage of guys who sort of walk through walk through any organization with their head in the air. I remember there was a co-pilot on a crew. He was a peer of mine and flew and landed in a in a, on a deployed operation at a at a base. And he Unloading a P3 is quite an effort. Like the whole crew is just unlike it takes a long time to get all the all the bags, all this shit off the aircraft. So they got it, they got the the stairs and unfold out of the aircraft and unloading. The whole crew is doing it, which are all NCOs. The most junior guy on the crew is a, a sergeant. So there's a lot of senior people down the back. And this pilot walked through the aircraft and like there's a daisy chain of guys passing bags up and down or, or down the, the stairs. And he's on his phone to his girlfriend. And he just sort of walked past them all and sort of cut through the line on the phone to his girlfriend, A, which is illegal. <laughs> you, you just, you just broken a massive rule about, you know, transmitting that, that stuff can't be used on the fly line. And like the guys unloading his bags, you know, and he was not putting his hand in to help got down the bottom of the stairs and, you know, off he went to, it, I think he was ordering like flowers for his girlfriend to be delivered or something. And it was just that one guy like set back all the air crew in the, in the squadron for like months. Cause that I heard that story like 50 times and, you know, they were like, they changed the name. They kept changing the name of who it was. I was like, no, it wasn't that guy. It was this guy. I know the guy I was there. No, it wasn't me. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> Like, who do you think you are to be wafting through with your head in the air while people are working? Like, you're not, that's, you know, that job, I'm, I'm not going to pick up those bags or load that stuff up and get it off the aircraft. There's, there's someone else's job. You're like, I, I, oh my God, like you have just destroyed any credibility you have. And you've also tarred a whole group of people. So the best leaders I've worked with are the ones who they have zero fear about getting a bit of dirt under their fingernails. And they just get in there with everyone. There's an opportunity to learn a lot of basic stuff and demonstrating to people a lot of stuff like you're part of the team. Like people learn a lot from every interaction and people learned a lot about this guy that day. Yep. Yeah, and that's going to stick with you for a while and then you're going to have to prove yourself even more to get yourself out of that hole and then start progressing back up the ladder, right? To where you need, where you should have been in the first place. Um, that's a great point. I mean, just, uh, you know, I, I have a junior officer that just checked in and he's a O2 and he went to the, uh, he went to the Naval Academy. So he was like, uh, what was it? I don't know. I think he was a wrestler or something like that, but he was at the Naval Academy, very prestigious here in the United States, obviously. And, uh, he's a bigger dude comes walking in, you know, and everybody's kind of looking and, and he wasn't in uniform, but he was just wearing like some, some PT gear. 
and uh, we had our meeting and a bunch of the a bunch of the other dudes were just looking at them like older guys experienced guys and they're like you're you're a fucking sir i already know it <laughs> just the way he was sitting like he's sitting up straight and proper to shoulders and his his I don't know. He's, officers, man, you guys got these chins that are just, I don't know, but you can just tell it just says asshole or something like that. <laughs> in your chin. But, uh, but yeah. And he start laughing or whatever. He's like, he's like, how'd you know? And guys are like, you're an Academy guy too. And he was like, Oh yeah, I am. And guys just start giving him shit. You know, there's like E fives, E sixes, just, just sending it. But you know, that's, that's how we welcome the guys in. And, uh, you know, we kind of humble them a little bit, just like, hey, you're showing up. We don't give a shit who you are. Like, yeah, you may be an officer and we'll call you sir. But guess what, sir? You're going to be doing the little shit and taking out the trash and all that with the other uh, new enlisted guys as well. Because everybody, everybody needs to prove themselves to be here, you know. And uh, that's that's a very strict standard. It's just like if you don't show up with the right the right time, the right gear, and the right attitude, you're fucked, <laughs> right? It's those three things. And that's yeah. that's a standard for everybody, officer, enlisted. Uh, if we have anybody else working with us, hey, you're coming to work with us, that's the standard, period. And, um, you know, but it's very important to, you know, moving on from, you know, yourself and how you're presenting is to building relationships to mil- to move forward. So nothing I've ever done in my life or my career has honestly been by myself. Okay. Maybe I learned how to wipe my ass by myself, but that was about it. But, (laughs) but professionally, there were so many things I never knew where I had to go someone and ask them, or they mentored me, or they said, Hey man, you messed this up. Let me show you the right way. Right. I could say that for almost everything in my career. Uh, What it really takes for really good people to bring people together is you have to identify the the strong people, right? So if I'm new in an environment, I, I, I take inventory. I'm looking around like who's the communicator, who likes to help other people, who whatever. And I will identify them and bring them in to me, introduce, Hey, I'm Mike. Pleasure to meet you. I've heard about you. I've not heard about you. I wanted to get to meet you. Where are you from? What do you do for fun? You know, just all basic, you know, intimate stuff. I just want to get to know you first. And once I got them and I learned all their personalities and their strengths, how do I unite them? What's a common bond that I could talk about or bring together? Uh, Currently it's football for me. So football season going. And I was like, who's in fantasy football? Who likes football? Oh yeah, dude, I'm this fan. I'm this fan. I'm whatever. And, and that got us all talking. Right. And it doesn't have to be some big ass thing. It can be fun. And it was talking about football and figuring out, oh, you're from Cincinnati. Oh, you're from here. You're from there. Oh, cool, dude. You start shit talking a little bit and you talk at a human, a human level, right? Everybody can do that stuff. And then once you unite everybody, then it's like, okay, hey guys, great getting to know you. We got our first tasking. All right. Hey, we have to go from A to B. What's everybody think? And the dialogue's already open. The, the, the relationship has already started. It's it, it's right where it needs to be to start growing from there because they know you as a human being. They don't know you as just a title or a position, and they may even respect you off the bat just because of how you came across. And it's like, now I just need to direct stuff, you know? So it's kind of funny, IUD, but identify, <laughs> unite, and direct, right? 
and and from there, that's where you're going to start building your core. That's going to excel you to the next levels through your next destination, through your next relationship, job, position, whatever. You can't do it by yourself and make sure you got the right people there to help you. Some great stuff there. A little mini masterclass on uh, moving into leadership in a new role there from Mike. That was really good. Identify your night and direct. Awesome, man. I had some other stuff around um, a lot of people in their sort of 20s, 30s develop mastery in one channel of something. A lot of people gain skills in a certain area. They gain some of those uh, reps with that effort and practice that I sort of talked about earlier and get real depth in one area in their sort of 20s. And then people get a lot of broad uh, competence in a shallow range, but across a range of skills. So people are a little bit good at a lot of stuff and then normally got one thing that they have mastery in. Given the life expectancy we have now, you know, people are taking on new jobs and new roles and living and, 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 and being healthy into their 70s. So having the expectation that a single channel of mastery is going to give you a, a, like a fulfilling and you know, rewarding life is something that's worth revisiting. And so having, an, having the idea that you want to become like develop serial mastery. So you have a few columns that appear that you get depth of uh, expertise in, like deep ex expertise in a couple of channels as you go through your life. Like you've got your initial skill, like you know, perhaps a pilot, and then you're like, right now I'm in a I'm I'm in a, a leadership position, and and going after that and building expertise in that as a parallel second vertical column, and then moving into a third stage in your life, perhaps later, you know, maybe adding adding something else later. So that you have multiple channels with deep expertise in it. So you're not relying on a single thing that's, you know, you're hoping that this one skill set is going to carry you for your whole life. Talking here professionally. So having the idea that you're going to revisit and expand means you need to have a learner's mindset. So you're going to be looking for opportunity to learn and there's going to be formal and informal learning. So you're going to, do courses that are accredited. They may be run by your organization. Maybe you're going out and getting training in a civilian organization, whatever it is. But there's also going to be informal. And Mike has talked there about identifying mentors and uh, people who are going to develop you. It's not necessarily always going to be some, something you're learning out of a book. But when you've got this idea that there's going to be multiple chapters, multiple areas of your life where you can keep adding another vertical column of expertise, you're giving yourself a huge um, pool of roles you could move into. You've got depth in multiple uh, channels of expertise that you can draw on. And you're going to be, to, to gain those skills, though, you're going to have to have that idea of where can I learn these things? Where, where do people go to get mastery in X, Y, or Z? So one example is, this is me returning to study. So just... Last weekend, in the middle of doing my knee rehab, a three-day weekend of uh, online, one of my MBA units, so doing a strategic management unit. Because this is, this is a skill that I want to add. I want to gain depth in this next channel, moving into, into new roles. And you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to 
you're going to be learning stuff and you're going to have that feeling in the first day. So this is me identifying a, a formal learning channel to gain expertise. And you're going to have that initial, am I going to be able to do this or I can't do this or I'm not good at this. And so being able to be comfortable in that state of uh, discomfort and knowing you're going in there to get something specific, but you're adding a second vertical or a third vertical that's going to give you depth and breadth, you know, where you can move into different roles, you can ride out recessions, you can change, you can change your career totally as long as you keep adding this stuff. So don't be the guy who's in his 50s and he's still trying to rely on a single channel of expertise that you gain in your 20s is sort of where I'm going here. And uh, look at where you can gain these formally or informally. Yeah, I, I think that I think those are great, man, is just uh, especially the education piece. I definitely felt that last year when I was getting ready to go back to like college level courses after 15 years, 14 years, whatever, and going right back into that for eight straight months while I was doing my 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 job and doubling that up, man, I was intimidating as shit. But literally all these things that we talked about, I knew my strengths, I knew my weaknesses I went in and I was like the lowest ranking guy. I was the youngest guy. Uh, you know, I was in this room of just complete discomfort, but I was honest. I was like, Hey, I'm the, I know I'm the youngest. I know I'm the least experienced, but this is who I am. And I immediately start picking out guys that were talking back to me. I was like, oh, okay. And, and I, I kind of did what I did. You know, I, I did that identify unite direct and, starting hearing their weaknesses and what their strengths at. And then you start putting, it's like putting pieces together for a puzzle that you're trying to complete. Right. And you start getting more comfortable because you're like, Oh man, I know I'm really terrible about that, but listen to this guy. He's mastered that whole line, you know, like of logistics that is not my realm. I'm in a tactical realm and he's in logistics. And I'm like, man, that's my guy. That's my go-to. And it just like, brought this level of comfort to me of like, man, okay, I'm going to be fine. Like I, I got some good people around me, you know, I, I, I'll be okay. I can take care of this, you know? And it was as simple as that. So no, it's, I, I think that's good, especially in your twenties and thirties, man. I think you definitely get that fixed mindset about a lot of things because you put so much effort into it for so long, whether it's your college degree and you're like, well, just because I had that when I was younger, I, that's what I have to stick with. And it's hard changing around in your thirties. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> so it doesn't get easier. I'm just going to put it out there that <laughs> it doesn't get any easier. Like legit for me to do these uh, three days, I had to log on. It was, I was obviously online. I was, I was online into uh, the East coast of Australia, Queensland. So it's a, seven hour time zone difference. So I have to log on and be online at 9am, which is 2am where I live for three days in a row. And that that's pretty rough. And physically, it's it's not easy to do at the time. And then it wrecks your uh, your sleep cycle for a period after I can, I can testify. But it's like, don't expect everything to be easy. You know, like I've never had that thought and I don't understand people who go through life drifting along thinking that the next thing is going to be easy either. But I was talking to my son, Michael, about it. I was like, this is what I'm doing. The reason I'm doing it is I want to be in a position where I can be a good provider for us and the family and, and I can have a career that I find rewarding once we leave here and move on to the next thing. 
And the reason I'm talking about you to, to you about this is so that you know you and Annie understand this is a lifetime journey you're going to be undertaking here, and that you know you guys remember when you're my age that hey my dad was doing these things, and this is just what we have to do. And and I, I finished the piece with like, you know, you do zero percent of the things you should do, and you do a hundred percent of the things you must do. And transitioning things from the should column to the must column is a 100% mental exercise. And so when you're like, I should get up at 1am, or like <laughs> wake, wake up at 1am and go to sleep at 10am versus I, I must, like I will. You know, that alarm goes off and you just jump out of bed, go make a coffee and, and log on. But you've got to, you know, you've got to have this ability to shift these things and it's a mental game. So the mindsets we've been talking about, these uh, ways of approaching new things, it's all, it's all occurring between your ears. Like it's not occurring in the real world. So, you know, and you, it's going to suck and you're not going to be good at it and, and whatever. I don't, don't, nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear that story. Like it, it's everyone's life is, is hard. I've got zero expectations that things are ever going to be easy, but when you can have that learner's mindset of I'm just going to be a lifelong learner, like there's going to be another thing I'm going to learn. There's a new opportunity coming down the pipe towards me to broaden my mind, to expand my knowledge or to meet people and form new relationships. But all of those things are going to, I'm going to have to have at some point transition these things out of the should column and put them into the must column or they'll never occur. But when you do it, you know, you, you gain the ability to write your own script, put your hand on the pen and start writing the chapter ahead of you rather than, you know, falling forward and being like, how did I get here? How am I stuck? You know, I've got less options than I want rather than the guy who or the girl who's been proactive and has been scaffolding that next section of their life up and then ready to move in when that, when that chapter or that time in their life arrives. Yeah, I, I love that that saying, Melon. I actually have that in my expectations for the guys. It says, uh, "Do do things because we should, not because we can." And I, I have that in bold. And uh, yeah, I have that that under just being a professional. Uh, one of those points. So we're kind of along the same lines there. I like that a lot. The way, the way I've got it there is, you know, like I'd like to do this thing or I've got this thing that, yeah, that'd be nice rather than this shit I'm really going to do, like I'm 100% going to do. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what I mean there with the, you know, those two columns of like, oh, I'd like to do this thing. I've got this idea that I'd like to do this one day rather than no shit, I'm doing it. I'm booking that now. It's locked in. It's in the calendar or I've made the call or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll just share this before we finish up the show here is, uh, you know, I have that as the main title. So do things because we should not because we can and then under there i have you should be constantly learning don't ever pass up an opportunity to learn something new learning how not to do something is just as important as how to do it you'll you'll most likely suck at anything your first time the goal is to learn it and master it and then don't let your belief that you know something limit you from learning something else so that's, that's um, there you go everybody you just you just you just got the gospel according to Mike. <laughs> yeah. So the, brief, the briefing to the new SF people coming in. That's, that's right. a perfect place to end there. I think 
Mike, great conversation about lifelong learning. How do we expand and how do we deal with that new role that's coming down the pipe? And we're all going to have them. There's going to be relationships. There's going to be profession. There's going to be different roles inside families. You know, you're going to transition through being the child to being the parent. You know, you're going to, we're going to deal with looking after our aging uh, parents or, you know, the next generation above us at some stage as well. So it's always coming and you just got to, it's a mindset thing on, how do we set ourselves up to move through life with meaning and purpose? And, uh, you know, I hope there's been something out there in that for everyone. If you can drop a review, it really helps. If you uh, put some words down, the algorithm loves it a lot more than just the star rating. And, and fire some questions to us. Let us know, how do you guys uh, view this stuff? How do you guys look at, opportunities to learn and uh deal with being being a beginner again and uh we'd we'd love to hear from you guys and until next week take care